Hey friends, and welcome back to the Crosswalk Podcast. In today's episode, I'm going to make a reference to the Princess Bride and Inigo Montoya. You keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means, he says. And today we're talking about freedom. The freedom we have in Christ and the fact that, mmm, that word, I don't think it means what a lot of people think it means. Paul would tell us, don't use your freedom as an opportunity to indulge the flesh. And so as you listen in today, keep these things in mind, and we pray that you would see your freedom as something to use for God's glory and the good of others. We, we like to be able to get as close as we can to sin mm-hmm. without it actually being sin. Do you know who laws are for? It's for people who can't handle freedom. Like, I have rules in my household for my kids literally just because they can't handle the freedom. We take our freedom in so many ways as an, as an opportunity for our flesh every single time. Every single time we're granted with freedom, we're using it for an opportunity for our flesh. Freedom is not just so that I can further lift myself up and get myself ahead in life and get myself better and make myself better than somebody else. Freedom is, is so that I have more freedom to serve other people. All right, well, guys, welcome back to the Crosswalk Podcast. This is our Galatians series, part five. Um, Now, I'll be honest, I didn't have a really cool tagline to say before we started. We're just like, we're going to have to see where this goes because Mm -hmm. there's actually so much here in chapter five. Um, And I'm actually just going to, I'm going to set the stage really fast from uh, chapter four, verses eight and nine. Paul is laying this out, and then we're just going to, we're just going to jump in and get to it. In, ver- in verses 8 and 9 of the last chapter that we read in the last episode, we encourage you to go back. You can go back and you can watch all of these. This is part 5. You can go binge watch 1 through 4 if you want. But Paul says in Galatians 4, 8 and 9, Formerly, when you did not know God, which we all have a time in our life when we just didn't know God. Even if you're a believer now, there was a time when you didn't know God and you were enslaved to beings that by nature are not gods at all. Now, in particular, he's talking to these Gentiles who were pagans. They formerly were enslaved to uh, these false gods, all kinds of things. And he says, but now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless basic forces? Do you want to be enslaved to them all over again? And that idea of being enslaved really sets the stage for chapter 5. Yeah, and that and that idea of being enslaved really runs through the rest of chapter four. I mean, obviously, I'm not going to read it because mm-hmm. we read it last yeah. time, but just if you read it yourself, I mean, the theme continually carries on. It's just, I mean, talking about Abraham and two sons and being enslaved to a, a slave woman and a free woman and yeah. and what they were born into. Talking uh, about so, the the um, like the covenants. Yeah, yeah, and talking that's, about hey, there's a there's a covenant from Sinai. The Mosaic Covenant, like here's the law, here's what you have to do. This is the right and proper way for you to live as the people of Israel in the specific promised land that I gave you. And then here's this new covenant mm-hmm. that comes through Jesus. And so he really compares those two. And the the old one, I mean, it did. It actually, um, what was the the line that Paul? It actually imprisoned everything under the scriptures. Yeah. Um, and so, and then now we're going to look. And do you want to read? You want to start reading in chapter five there? Yeah, sure. I mean, so we, we start off in chapter five, and tr- and he Paul he starts off big here. Okay, I mean, he's like, or at least well, you know, I like to read. I like to read the the scripture with some enthusiasm sometimes, and I probably put way much more than what what they have sometimes. Um, but I don't know. Have you seen verse twelve? Uh well, that's true. That's true. So that's we're getting true. there. Paul's heated. Paul's heated. I can tell you for sure. Paul is heated when he writes this. So he, he is, yeah. And he, he says, uh, so he says, for freedom. And really, we could stop right there. The first two words, we're, we're into this chapter, okay? And we're already, we're already getting mm. off on this track. We're, okay, so last, last chapter, we're talking about the, the difference between the enslaved and the free. Okay, between the law, the Mosaic law, and this new covenant that's happening, we're having this tug of war going on. All right, so then he starts off chapter 5, and he says, For freedom, Christ set us free. All right, so now we know he's starting off this chapter on the right foot because he knows we're free. We are mm-hmm. free. He says, I want you to know that for freedom, Christ is the one that has set us free. All right, so this is not something by our own doing. 
This is not oh, something yeah. by the Mosaic Law. This is not something under the law. He says this is mm-hmm. something totally new, something totally different, and because of it, we are 100% free. Well, and you know, do you know who laws are for? It's for people who can't handle freedom. Uh, yeah, I could see that. Like, I have rules in my household for my kids literally just because they can't handle the freedom. Well, if they would make good choices with their freedom, I wouldn't have to have rules. Well, and they actually say, you know, they the studies say that kids actually want discipline. They want yes. rules. They want, they want guidelines. Uh, I mean, yeah. Uh, they I, need structure. I, I know a story that my mom, you know, she'd always told me that they uh, had did a, I don't know, what, what what would they call it? Like, it's not like an experiment, but like a... Uh, just like an observation study. Yeah, like, okay, like, yeah, like an observation study. And so there's a playground, and they had all these kids in the playground. It was at a school. Yeah, yeah. And the playground was fenced in. And so it used to be the kids would all go and play. They'd play right up next to the fence. Yeah. And they would be tossing balls and playing tag and all sorts of stuff. They'd be, you know, climbing all over the fences, just doing all this stuff. Well, one day they went and they took up all the fences. But what they realized was is that the kids stopped playing out in the yard and they started coming like closer to the center. They all got mm. closer together and they didn't go towards the berries. They wasn't actually going all the way they to the end. They just stayed away from the boundaries. And what they they learned from that was is that kids do like boundaries. They mm-hmm. like to have some sort of, oh, okay, well, I know exactly how far I can go without getting into trouble or without hurting myself. Yes. You know, and, and I know that they still got an eye on me. I'm safe here. And they liked it. And they went all the way to that boundary to play, all the way to the end of those regulations and those boundaries to play and to do their thing. But whenever they took the fences up, they they backed mm, off. They yeah. all grouped up in the center. It was a really, really cool observation. But the same thing I see adults. I see the adults adults. do the same thing with so much, and so you look at. I think that's why we have so many people in. Now, obviously, this is going to tend to be in your more you know conservative circles of the church, but that's why you have people who go back and they're like they're trying to pull stuff from the Old Testament law and say, "Oh, you need to do this," because I think it provides a sense of safety to them. It's like, well, here's a what we're going to call a hard and fast rule that you have to do, and if you do this rule, then you're right. But, you know, Jesus, at the Last Supper, he's like, hey, I give you guys a new command. Mm. Love as I have loved you. Well, I think it's interesting because... And, and Paul brings that up in verse 6. Well, because what happens, is we, we like to be able to get as close as we can to sin mm-hmm. without it actually being sin. Okay, and so if you're under the law, and if you don't have that fence there, well, see, if if I'm under, you know where to if go? I'm under the law, I don't have to be led by the spirit, right? Because the spirit, because the spirit doesn't have to tell me exactly what what I'm going to be doing, because the law tells me exactly where the line is drawn, or so mm-hmm. they thought, you know. But with that, obviously well, there were did, loopholes, but... there, there were things to get around that. But well, the law, and you know, what I was thinking about the other day is that. They had the law because it told them, it, you, 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 here's exactly what you do. Here's exactly where the fence is, exactly where the line is. Mm-hmm. They didn't have the Spirit indwelling in them the way that New Testament believers do. Oh, for sure, for sure. And so it's just like we read um, in the last episode, in the last chapter in Galatians 4, Paul lays out the purpose of the law was for the sake of transgressions mm-hmm. until the seed that was promised would come. It was a guardian. It was to say, here's where you go. And, and it was a, a different kind of dispensation because the Holy Spirit wasn't continually dwelling in every you know Old Testament believer the way that mm-hmm. He promises He will in the New okay. Testament. No, I I one hundred percent agree. I mean, it, for them, if you're if you're one of those people, in which we're we're going to get there, you know, I mean, we're we're jumping ahead, you know, but yeah, it, we'll. We'll I'm just gonna go, I'm just gonna go ahead. So it says, "Stand firm, then, and don't submit again to the yoke of slavery." Take note, I, Paul, am telling you that if you get yourself circumcised, Christ isn't going to benefit you at all. Mm. Again, I testify to every man who gets himself circumcised that he's obligated to do the entire law. That's interesting. Pull up the break. Okay. That's a terrible e-break sound. Um, <laughs> have you ever lied, Caleb? Yeah. Okay, I have too. No, uh, I've never lied. Oh, okay. Well, okay. <laughs> Sorry, I'm the only non-perfect <laughs> one here. Um, Caleb, have you ever uh, taken something that wasn't yours? Yeah. Okay. Um, have you ever lusted, Caleb? Yeah. Uh, me too. Have you um, 
you know, you ever disobeyed your parents? Yeah. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Um, I could keep going, but I think I'll just stop there. Okay. Yeah. Obligated to the entire law. Okay. We went through what? Four. Mm-hmm. Four of the Ten Commandments right there. Yeah. And we had, as, uh, as Ray Comfort would put it, we were, you know, lying, thieving, adulterer, you know, whatever, whatever, you know, it's like, I love to watch Living Water Ministries. Go, go watch his YouTube videos. It's hilarious. He does street evangelism. Mm-hmm. And he'll take people through the Ten Commandments, and at the end, he's like, "So you're telling me that you're a lying, thieving, adulterous, blah blah, blah murderer?" I mean, he just goes through the whole thing, and um, it's he's really good at it. Um, I wish I was that good, <laughs> but um, but yeah, obligated to do the entire law. I like to think of myself as a good person, but as we you know talked about last time, I was like good people can be dangerous because of mm-hmm. trusting in themselves. Yeah, I can't keep the entire law. I just failed on the first four things I mentioned right there. <laughs> failed. And he says, if you get yourself circumcised, that was the issue they were dealing with. Now, as you and I were talking about, I think this really applies to any issue that you would try to put in place. Like, I have to do this thing before I have access to Jesus. Yeah. Any part of the law, any part of any moral code that you are trusting in, in addition to Jesus, you're obligated to the entire thing. Mm-hmm. And as we just saw, like the very first four that we mentioned, I failed. Can't do it. Um, I also don't keep the Sabbath. Talked about this in our Sunday school class. Like, oh, did you? Yeah. Yeah, so the Sabbath is Saturday. Like, that yeah. was that is what Sabbath means. That is the Jewish, um, you know, day of rest. That is the Sabbath. That's what God put into place. It's actually the last day of the week. He mm-hmm. rested on the east. He ceased creating on the seventh day. That was what they were to do. Um, and yet we come and do church on Sundays. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't keep the Sabbath. Well, so e- that's 0 for 5 so far. Well, even then, you know, which is a little off track from what we're talking about today, but even then, you know, I just think it's kind of interesting that, you know, we talk so much about the Sabbath day and end up holding the Sabbath day and having the seventh day, and which we do uphold that day for most people on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, when in all realistic standards, if we're talking about, okay, well, if, if we're kind of going along these lines of, oh, okay, well, if I'm going to keep, part of the law that I gotta keep I'm obligated to do the whole entire talk. Mm-hmm. If you wanna if you want to apply that to the Sabbath day too, is the Sabbath day really a single day? Because we know that whenever Jesus came, Jesus came to say, Well no, this isn't this isn't something that you just do on a single day. Mm-hmm. This is something that you do every day. You uphold the Sabbath on every single day because Jesus yeah. came to fill he's, that spot. He's Jesus. like I came to bring in a, a Sabbath rest and we don't I str- that's the part I struggle with. I struggle to rest in God, mm-hmm. which is a, which is an everyday thing, and that's 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 what I find interesting. And we we talked about that a little bit in our Sunday school class last week. Was that well, it's you know, like, what what does that mean to actually what does that mean to actually uphold the Sabbath? Yeah, because everybody considers that as a one single day, a one single a church service, or you know everybody's got their own little different view of what the Sabbath means. But normally, it's yes. like a very very small, shortened version of what it actually means. But really, to uphold the Sabbath is, is to uphold Jesus Christ in your life and to rest in Him every single second of every single day. That is upholding the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. Um, and which obviously, I'm not saying that's easy to do. <laughs> I, I, that obviously, no, I'm not no. in tune to God every single second of my life. Like I wish I was. Mm-hmm. But that is definitely something that I strive to do. That's definitely something I strive to be. Well, if we're obligated to the whole law, you know, it's like we, you know, like tithing. People want to make that all about money now. But I mean, if you're actually going to go back and look at the letter of the law, anybody around here that owns cows or chickens or anything else, you need to be bringing the firstborn of all your cow mm-hmm. herd. You need to be bringing the firstborn to the church mm-hmm. if you're going to apply it that way. Well, I just don't and people think people don't. We don't. We don't bring. We don't bring cows and chickens to the church. <laughs> no, well, I don't think. I don't think picking and choosing is is any part of the gospel. I don't see how mm-hmm. that would make sense at all. You know, no, if Paul no. never, because Paul lays it out, and makes it clear right here. But if Paul had never laid it out and made it clear, I think common sense, just by reading the gospel and and knowing the testimony of Jesus Christ and how things work, I don't think that that's that equates to, to how things work in the Bible. It's not a, oh, okay, well, yeah, you can you can pick to live this way, and if you want to live a little bit more like this way, and you, you don't get a mix right. and match. Jesus wants, he wants all of us. He wants the whole thing. Well, the whole there shebang. are times where, 
it was, uh, the, there are specific laws given in the Old Testament. Again, it says it was for the sake of transgressions. There were specific laws that you can look and you can say, this was given by God to keep them away from the foreign nations and from falling right. into sin. It was given for the sake of transgressions. Well, I don't need that if I have the Spirit inside of me. Mm-hmm. I can, you know, plant two different crops in the same field. <laughs> I can have a shirt made of two different fabrics or whatever, else, you know, those kind of things that were like, what in the world was this about? But I don't have to have those things in place as a fence to keep me out of the pagan ways. I have the Spirit inside of me. Mm-hmm. And so there's going to be times where I have much greater freedom than the law would ever give, and there's probably going to be times that the Spirit's going to constrain me perhaps more than the law did. Mm-hmm. Because if I'm just thinking in terms of the law, like the letter of it, like Jesus, he's like, well, you've, you know, you've heard it said, it's in the law, don't commit adultery. Mm-hmm. But I tell you, he says, but I tell you, any man that's looked at a woman with lust has already committed adultery in his heart with her. Well, and so there it's like, okay, now it's not just an external action issue, it's even a heart issue. It's like if, I, if my thoughts are continually imagining this thing in my head, I'm in sin. And, and so there it almost goes you know, more strict than the law because I have the Spirit convicting me of these things. He's saying, no, 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 that's not right either. Well, the, if if you're if you're fully practicing the law, it, it's almost like it almost takes away the idea of our free will. Because whenever mm-hmm. I'm, if, if I'm practicing the law, I know exactly like we said the, the guidelines and the boundaries. I know exactly where that's at. So all I have to do is put myself on autopilot and just do the same things every single day. Because I know, mm-hmm. okay, well, as long as I don't do this, as long as I don't step too far into, into this, as long as I don't think about this or do this or do that, then I'm good. Then I'm good, and, and so like, we. Where's the leading of the spirit? That's where the. That's also how in these very like legalistic mindsets where we get so many traditions because everything just comes so habitual. It's just mm-hmm. over and over and over again. But on the flip side of that, that's what makes lead led by the spirit so not freeing, or, or so freeing and so amazing, but also like you said, sometimes it can be a little bit of a struggle because it's not just a, okay, I want to put myself on autopilot today and just, you know, skate through. It's, okay, well, I woke up this morning and then I got out of bed and I'm faced with a decision and I have to choose, what do I want to do with this? Is this, is this good? Is this, is this, is this bad? And we have to, we have to learn through the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit guides us and teaches us through every single decision and every single choice and every single step that we make throughout the day. And so that can be obviously an amazingly freeing thing because mm-hmm. it is the Holy Spirit that says, oh, yeah, yeah, you're good, you're good, you're good, whatever, and gives you that comfort, gives you that peace, gives you that joy that we're going to be talking about from the fruits here in a little while. But at the same time, it can be a little more, not necessarily complicated, but to the sense that this is a... This is not just me turning myself on autopilot, but this is me having a interactual, face-to-face relationship with mm-hmm. Christ every single second throughout my day, and it's yep. intentional and it it is well, there's purposeful. A, there's there's that level of freedom that comes with it, but there's also sometimes it's actually more demanding. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I do. I, I agree. I think it's. Um, he says you are you know there in verse four. You're who are trying to be declared righteous by the law have been alienated from Christ. Again, we just go back. If you're trying to trust in anything but Jesus, you, it says you have fallen away from grace, hmm. right? And so um, verse 6, I know you had mentioned, and I love this verse. I love this verse. It's a big one here. He says, for in Christ Jesus, okay, so that, that's in Christ, which is the only way to the Father. Jesus says, I am the way, not one way, not a mm-hmm. way, not one of the way. I'm the way the truth, the life. And so to come to the Father, to get to be a part of the kingdom of God, you have to come through Jesus Christ. He says, for in Christ, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision carries any weight, right? Neither one accomplishes anything. The only thing that matters is faith working through Mm -hmm. love. I think I think we want to unpack that for a minute. Well, yeah, I mean, so if you look at verse six, in which really 
you can uh, if if you if you're just reading this on your own, then obviously then you can apply this very thoroughly. But preferably, the way that I got the full impact of this was by reading this whole entire chapter and understanding mm-hmm. the works of the fruits, and then being able to come back and look at this. And so we we'll, we'll come. We'll, I, I'll mention this again once we get okay. later on in the chapter. So we're so take note. We're going to come back and unpack six. All right. So um, in verses seven through twelve, then he talks about. I'm going to kind of skip over these real quick yeah. so we can get to uh, the next half of the the chapter. He was talking about, hey, you guys were doing so good. But somebody's preventing you from obeying the truth now. Somebody's persuaded you. You've fallen away. And he's, he's like, I'm actually confident that you're going to come back to the right understanding of this. And the one who is confusing you, the one who is making this so difficult, they're going to pay the penalty. Which is like, oh, that's a little bit scary. Like to think that there are people who are teaching things falsely, who are causing problems for others, who are be- being a stumbling block to them because they're, they're trying to put constraints and laws and things on them that are not supposed to be on them, and they will pay a penalty for that. And it mm. says uh, in verse 11, he's like, Brothers and sisters, if I'm still preaching circumcision, it's like if I'm still preaching the way I used to before I was a believer, why am I being persecuted? He's like, there's no offense of the cross <laughs> to the Jews if, mm-hmm. if, if, I'm just, if I'm still preaching it that way. There's no offense, right? He says, and this is what we were talking about earlier, this is why we said Paul is heated here. Verse 12, depends on what translation you're looking at, but I'm, I'm going to read a couple, and it, it's going to become very plain what he is saying here. And don't take it literally, okay? It's, it's really pointed sarcasm, but so like in the Christian standard, I wish those who are disturbing you might also let themselves be mutilated. In context, what was the big concern? Do you have to be circumcised or not? Yes. Removal of the foreskin. To put it even more plainly, to translate the Greek even more plainly, (laughs) New English translation, I wish those agitators would go so far as to castrate themselves. Why are you going to stop at the foreskin? Just take the whole thing off if you're going to be like this. Mm. (laughs) Paul's heated. Now, it's, it's pointed sarcasm. He is not suggesting that they actually go find these people and castrate them. But he picks up here after this in verse 13, and I think this is where the real meat of this mm-hmm. chapter is. Here's where the My real verse of the whole thing. weight of it is. So I'm going to let you read it. Okay. Uh, in <laughs> in verse 13, it. it says, For you were called to be free, brothers and sisters. Only don't mm. use this freedom... As an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love. Mm. Which is very different. This is where there is freedom and it's different than the law, but here's where it's more demanding. Mm -hmm. Because now I have to think even more about other people than necessarily if I'm just strictly kind of paying attention to the law than I would have had to. This is what scares people because they're like, well, wait, 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 wait. If we don't teach people these things, if we don't have a set of rules, if we don't say you got to do this, this, and that, and this thing to be right with God, people are just going to do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. This is the fear they have, but Paul addresses that. He says, "Don't, yeah, you have freedom, but don't use that freedom as an opportunity to indulge your flesh. Well, and it just it makes me think so much of the war that we're living in right now, especially with everything going on. I mean, you know, right now we're going through everything that's going on with the... Uh, Afghan situation, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, I mean, unless you're living under a rock, you know, you know what's going on over Super there. Super sad. And well, well, since you mentioned that, let me just say, um, we are super grateful. We just, we just want to honor the memory of those who did lose their lives. Absolutely, last week. absolutely. Our prayers go um, out to the families and man. The I was looking. The friends. I, I read the list. I looked at all the names. And their families and their ages and the and looked at the, the pictures. The just... oldest one was my age. He's thirty. Well, yeah. he's thirty-one. He's yeah. right around my age. The oldest one. One of them was from Knoxville. Yeah, locally. Yep. Um, you know, he's your age. He mm-hmm. graduated high school the same year as you. Went yep. to went to Gibbs, man. And, and we just want to say, um, if any of you happen to hear that those families who lost them, we our our prayers go out to you. Um, thank you. Thank you so much for your sacrifice, and we we are so grateful for your for those young men and women and their sacrifice and what they are doing. And we are praying for the the persecuted Christians and just the just the persecuted Afghan people. 
Though mm-hmm. even those who aren't believed, just the people who are suffering from injustice, we are praying for them, and we 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 pray that God would bring salt and light into that situation and bring bring freedom to them. Well, and here's I mean here's where it's all convicting. It's all convicting. But the most convicting part for me is when I read this and I just see, don't use your freedom mm-hmm. as an opportunity for your flesh. Just just serve one another through love. Just serve <laughs> what we one do another. in America. And I just think, and I look back, and I look at the thousands of people that are lined up at the borders of Afghanistan, at the airport, trying to get away. Mm-hmm. I look at the videos of people who are literally handing their babies over walls to U.S. To soldiers. Soldiers. Yeah. soldiers. I see the videos of Afghanis climbing onto planes and taking off on the landing gear, and when the landing gear goes up, they're falling off to their deaths off the airplane. Yeah, I see all of this, people who are literally giving their lives, to, I mean, everything that they can to get away from this nation and what's going on over there. And yet even more so, I, I see the Christians that have been over there serving and how mm-hmm. dangerous it's been. The Christians that are still over there serving right now. Yes. And then I look at my life. And some of them have been martyred. And think in recent weeks. I live in a county, you know, I, I we live in a small in a small county. We live in the Bible Belt. I live in a in, in a county in the Bible Belt where 90 probably more than 90% of the people I run into know who Jesus is. Probably 100% of the people I run into at least know. Yes. You know, honestly. They have a a just a general basic understanding that oh yes, Jesus, people say he's the son of God and that he died for my sins. And I, and I run into those people, but it's I have the freedom mm-hmm. to go into every Walmart and go scream Jesus' name as loud as I can, and, and, and I have the freedom to do that. Yeah, I have the freedom to sit here and make this podcast and put it out live for anybody in the world to see. I have the freedom mm-hmm. to, to go to a restaurant and pray before my meal. I have the freedom to talk to everyone and anyone I can about who Jesus is and what he's did for my life. And yet, we're too busy because, you know, work's been hard, or, or we're in yeah. a little bit of a financial stress. Yeah. Or even though we're considered, you know, if you have a roof over your head and clothes on your back, you're considered rich in the eyes of the rest of the world. Right. We take our freedom in so many ways as an as an opportunity for our flesh every single time every mm-hmm. single time we're granted with freedom we're using it for an opportunity for our flesh but paul tells us that that we freedom is not for us freedom is not for 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 the people freedom is not just so that i can further lift myself up and get myself ahead in life and get myself better and make myself better than somebody else freedom is is so that i have more freedom to serve other people. That's what freedom is. That's the whole reason we have freedom. It's because whenever I have freedom, I have more freedom to serve other people. And whenever mm-hmm. those people have seen the freedom that I have had to serve you, then they're liberated to serve other people. And then they're liberated to serve other people. And it changes the world. And every religion that is works-based is missing this. They're missing that mark. And exactly what you see happening in Afghanistan, you have a... You have a Muslim group who are taking the Muslim belief, the, the Islamic belief system, to its natural logical conclusion mm-hmm. that if we are actually going to follow this, what was what's written in the Quran, this is what we need to do. We need to take control of this region. We need to fight against the infidels. We need to fight against the people who who will not submit to Islam, who will not submit to Allah, and that is what they are doing. And it's because. They believe that in doing so, they're going to please this false god. They're going to please mm-hmm. Allah. That they're going to be um, earning salvation for themselves. They're going to be earning rewards for themselves by a keeping of a law. Well, and it just, it makes my stomach turn. And you look at the Jews who were so legalistic. You look at these people. You look at any religion who has look, has pointed anybody and says, "You do these things, or you are you know yeah. not going to be right with whatever deity." And it enslaves people, and then they often end up literally, physically enslaving people under well, terrible regimes. But why do you think? Why do you think it is that that people don't notice this? People in the church. I mean, we got so many people there in the church that 
it seems like this just skates right by them. I mean, I'm not just, I'm not talking about like our local church necessarily. Mm-hmm. I mean, I am, but I'm just talking about the global church, just yes. Christians in general. I mean, why is this? I mean, if you were called to be free, but there's one thing: just don't don't use your freedom as an opportunity for you and your flesh, but serve one another through love. Like, where where, where did we miss this? Like, where do we miss every day in our life? Every time that we wake up, where do we because miss the we point that it's not it about, all us? about us? I mean, where, where, where do we get, where do we miss the point? Wherever I mean, why is it every time we wake up, it's just about money, money, money? Where can I go get the money? Where do I got to go to work? Where am I going to get the food? Where am I going to get, you know, it's, you know, oh, man, well, we're we going to do go to the lake this weekend. We're all going to go hunting this weekend. Or it's just everything. And that all started, man, that's not a uniquely American thing. But America is like the pinnacle of it. Like it all, it all started, you know, this rise of the individual, mm. you know, individualism, expressive individualism. I need to put who I truly am on the inside out there. And if you don't celebrate who I say I am on the inside, you're a bigot, you're hateful, you're horrible. Everything's about me, 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 me. And Christianity flips that on its head. And it says, yes, you are unique. You are wonderfully made. You are created by God in his image. You are unique, but that uniqueness is to be used to serve others. That uniqueness is to be used to bring God glory in submission to his will, into submission to what he says. Not who you say you are, but who he says you are. And I, I, I want to I move on to the, to, the, to the last little bit here, but just, just before I do, I just want to read verse... Verse fifteen, right here, really quick, because we hit we, fourteen before you skip. I, I will. Yeah, uh, we talk about this freedom and not using it as an opportunity for the flesh. He tells us after to serve one another through love. For the whole law, if if we do this one thing, the whole law is going to be filled through. He says, for the whole law is fulfilled in one statement: love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, so then he kind of goes back to the saying in verse fifteen. He's like, well, here here's kind of heed heed this warning. Okay, so for those of you who want to use your freedom as all it is for an opportunity to the flesh, then this is what's going to happen. He says, but if you continuously bite and devour one another, mm-hmm. watch out, or you'll be consumed by one another. And that's what happens when you use your freedom for an opportunity for the flesh. Whenever you use the freedom for an opportunity as a flesh, you're continually just taking nibble after nibble after nibble out of each other, because you got freedom that I want. That's why the grass is always green on the other side. You always got something that I want, and it always boils down to a little bit more. You're a little more free with your money. You're a little more free with where you live. You're a little more free with what you do on the weekend. You're a little bit mm-hmm. more free because you work four 10-hour shifts, and I work you know, five eight-hour shifts. Okay, it's, It always boils down to this little Somebody's idea of freedom. something that we think is better. And whenever you, and whenever you look at that, and whenever you, you nibble at that, and you take a bite out of that, and you're just continuously wanting something somebody else has, and this freedom starts to devour each other because you're, you're taking little nibbles after each other, and eventually there's not going to be anything left. And so Paul heeds us a warning. What's the solution? So what's the solution? To get outside of myself. Mm-hmm. He says, live by the Spirit. Verse 16, but I say live by the Spirit or walk with the Spirit, walk in the Spirit as the, as the Greek would have been. They always use this word walk. And it's this imagery of, which I think is a good analogy, you know, that, that's the way they would talk about it. That's what they, would, they meant by that, how you walk. It's like, it, it's this imagery of, I'm going to look at where I'm going and where I'm stepping. You know, if I'm in a, if I'm in a minefield, I'm going to be very cautious about where <laughs> I step and what, what I do yeah. and everything. And it's, that's kind of this imagery of like, make sure you're, you're pay, paying careful attention to, how, as Paul would say in Ephesians, pay careful attention to how you walk then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's Ephesians 5. And so he says, here's why. Here's why. The flesh, which is, especially in the writings of Paul, the flesh is, is my physical body, but also this, that nature, that sin nature we inherited from Adam. That I'm continually going to desire wrongly. Mm-hmm. Right. The things that I want are not bad in and of themselves, but the way I go about trying to gratify those desires is the sin. It's what's wrong. For the flesh has desires that are opposed to the spirit, and the spirit has desires that are opposed to the flesh. They're in opposition to each other, so that you can't do what you want, right? Back in Romans. Romans 7, anybody? Right? And so, but if you're led by the spirit, and listen to this, please, everybody listen to this, and just let it really sink in. If you are led by the spirit... 
You are not under the law. You can't get a sip said. More, How in the world can it be any plainer? But yet, I people I hear people preach. They'll go back to the Old Testament law, read something that was a command given to Israel, who was not being led individually by the Spirit, every one of them. They'll go back and they'll read something that, that was in that law that they were under, and they'll say, you need to do this as Christians. Verse 18, KJV, But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. I'm a southern hick from Tennessee, and KJV <laughs> sometimes is a little hard for me to understand. I can read that pretty clear out there. That makes perfect sense to me. Yep. Mm-hmm. You're not under the law. <laughs> He says, now the works of the flesh, though, are obvious. He's saying, okay, listen, listen, I've laid it out before you. Flesh bad, <laughs> flesh bad, spirit good, okay? And what comes from the flesh is obvious. Sexual immorality, right? I'm pretty sure that Greek word there is, is porneia. It's where we get our modern word pornography. Mm-hmm. And it's a whole range, any sexual immorality, impurity, depravity, idolatry sorcery, hostilities, even that, 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 literally that hostility, that like seeking to do harm to people, right? That hostility you have at work between people, it's like you were saying, we're biting and devouring each other because we want what somebody else has. Mm-hmm. He says that's a work of the flesh. It's bad. It's bad. Strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish rivalries, dissensions, factions, envying, murder, drunkenness, carousing, right? That carousing is like revelings it's some some translations even translate it like orgies yeah right similar things i'm warning you as i had warned you before those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of god now you're going to look through there and i'm going to be like oh but i've been impure <laughs> i've technically done idolatry where i've put something before god i've been sexually immoral before i've been jealous i've had outbursts of anger i've had envy you know, it says if you're angry at somebody without just cause, that's tantamount to murder in the heart, right, mm-hmm. in the in the Gospels. And I'm like, wow. Some of that, I fall into some of that. Those who practice such things, well, but look at what he's saying. Those who practice, those who make a practice out of such things. Mm-hmm. Not somebody who's done this before in the past and has submitted to the will of Jesus, has surrendered to him for salvation. And to get Jesus himself. Not those people, those who practice such things. And if you are truly a believer, you are not going to make a practice, a continual practice out of those things. Because verse 22, you have the spirit inside of you. And Well, I, I, was, I was just going to mention just a, another kind of just a heat of warning before we move on there. I mm-hmm. mean, I've seen so many people read verses like this. You know, that's, you know, in 21, that those who practice, okay, and we have such emphasis on that word practice, and people who then really want to get nitpicky and be like, okay, well, I've done these things before, but am I really practicing them? Because I've only done them, you know, 17 times or 57 times or 60, yep. 100 and, you know, 11 times. So, I mean, but it's not really a practice, you know, so it's like, you have to look at your own life, and you have to look at it from from a lens outside of yourself, and be realistically honest with yourself. But it's mm-hmm. just it amazes me how how many times I've seen that happen, you know, and, and being like uh, John it, would write about that. In I, I want to say it's his, I want to say it's First John in his letter when he's kind of given the marks, the like defining characteristics. Mm-hmm. Like here's a test, kind of how you can see if you're really in the faith or not. Yeah. And it was one of those things. It's like those who continually practice sin. Um, you better look out. Mm-hmm. You better actually do some soul searching. And so, yeah, I love that you mentioned that. If you find yourself repeatedly going back to certain things and trying to make excuses and trying to make justifications for those behaviors, if you repeatedly find yourself, well, there's grace for that. I mean, I've literally heard I've literally heard people say before, well, if the buffet is paid for, why not eat? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, sin's not a buffet. And Jesus surely didn't pay for it, so you could go back into it. Well, here's the thing. It's I mean, absolutely wrong. Realistically, the standard's been set. The standard was set by Jesus Christ, who never did a single one of them. Mm-hmm. 
And the standard is for us to become more like Jesus. So what I'm trying to do is I don't want these things present at all in my life. Not just a, oh, well, I did it, you know, and then, you know, I repent from it, which which is, it happens. You know, which outbursts right of anger, I have that. <clears throat> I have it's right that. and proper that you repent, but if you're like, eh, I'm not really going to be, I'm not, I'm not worried about being led by the Spirit. I'm just going to do what I want, and then I'll ask forgiveness. That is, that's not being led exactly. by the Spirit. You, your, your goal is to completely deplete these things from your life and, and to keep them from happening. And I'm not, that's not easy, and that doesn't happen overnight, but that is the, that is the goal. So if you find mm-hmm. yourself and you're like, oh, okay, so this term practice, what does that mean? And it's, oh, okay, well, I don't know if I really, I mean, I do it, but I don't know if it's necessarily a practice. We'll stop right there. You're, you're probably you're probably practicing you're it. You're probably practicing it, okay? Because the go, if you can see that and you're just like, you know what? You should read every single one of these and be like, this can apply to me in some way, and yeah. I need to do yes. better. And no matter yes. what walk it, I don't care if you're the preacher. When you're the preacher and you walk it and, and you read this, you should go, I, I really need to watch out for these things in my life. I want to That's make why sure. every believer needs the gospel every day. Yeah. Every believer needs to be reminded of the gospel every day. We don't outgrow our need to be reaffirmed, to hear it again, to be like, okay, whew, mm-hmm. I didn't measure up. I need grace. And tomorrow I need to wake up, walk in the Spirit. And the way that these things become less and less in our life is given in here in verse 22. They are, it's not that they are, it's not like we stop something and then start doing something good. It's we begin being led by the Spirit and that displaces being controlled by the flesh. Mm-hmm. It's literally like any other habit, you know. Like if I have if I have a um, a habit of being you know really lazy on a Saturday or really lazy on any time I get time and I, I don't ever work out or something, and I want to start working out. It's not that I all of a sudden ha- I stop doing this thing. It's I start the good habit and it ends up displacing the bad habit. Mm-hmm. Right? I don't I don't just stop eating bad food. I start eating good food and it displaces the bad mm-hmm. food in my diet. Same thing here. And so in verse 22, after laying out all these things that are the works of the flesh, that are just plain obvious, he says, but the fruit or the works, the good things of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Now, I'll be honest. It's kind of like the alphabet. When I want to like think of one of those specifically, I almost have to run through the list in my head because <laughs> we've grown up in church. Yeah. We've grown up in church and we've heard this list so many times. It's like love, joy, peace, patience. You know, it's like if I want to think of a specific one, I like run through the list in my head. But Which, this goes back to verse six, mm-hmm. and I love what he says in verse twenty-three here, though. And then we'll jump back to six. He lays out the fruit of the spirit, meaning these are the things that God's spirit, that the Holy Spirit produces this isn't a list this isn't a to-do list (laughs) it'll crush you if you try to make this a to-do list you can't do it it's not a to-do list it's a list of the things that god works in you by his power by his presence by you continually being drawn more and more into who he is and pursuing him not trying to do these things on your own you'll fail you'll fail every time you'll be crushed by it it's not a to-do list. It's a this is what God works in you when you become his and his spirit is put inside of you. And I love what he says. He says, against such things, there is no law. <clears throat> All right? There is no law against these things. You know, and specifically in context, the Jewish law is not against these things. Right? There's no law against these things. And thinking back to verse 6, he said the, the thing that matters, the thing that matters is faith working through love. Faith working through love. As you and I were discussing, I don't think that's possible without the Spirit. Mm -mm. I don't believe that that's possible without the Spirit inside of you. Make no mistake, if you don't have the Spirit, if you're not a believer, if you've not surrendered to Jesus, yeah, you love, but not fully. Well, you'd be surprised how if you ever go through and, which most of the time I don't do it just because it's so depressing. But if you ever go through and like read, basically any Jesus post on Facebook that's went viral, and you go and read the comments, okay, there's like a million of different. I mean, they yeah. just goes it goes insane, okay. 
one of the most common arguments that I've heard, especially when it's talking about love and, and Jesus, one of the most common arguments I've heard put on there is that you can't love somebody that you don't know. That is that is the world's argument really? towards Christians is that you can't you, you can't love somebody that you don't know that you've never met that you know nothing about you can't mm. really love them. I've heard that and I've read that in so many comments that I you, you would not believe it. Yeah, it, it is wild that you cannot back love somebody up, that you, you don't just know. back up to chapter four right here in Galatians and Paul says you didn't know God but now you do. In fact, you've actually become known by God. Well, that's see that's the interesting thing is because. Realistically, in a world without Jesus, I totally understand where they're coming from. Yeah, yeah. Why, why would I have a need to feel compassion for somebody halfway across the other side of the world that's being persecuted? If there is no, if there's no, if there is no Jesus, if there is no, oh, God, if it's all, if it's all evolution, if it's all random chance, if we, if we were just produced by purely naturalistic means, there is no God, there is no Jesus, then there is zero accountability for anything in my life, and no, I have because no reason. I have no reason to do good things no, for somebody on the just, other side of the world. On the other side of the world, you know, the you know the Afghans who are persecuted, persecuted right now. If 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 evolution is true and and God is not real and just everything happened by random chance, then man, that sucks, guys. Y'all got dealt a bad stick. I'm glad I'm here, and you're and you know I'm, I'm glad I'm not where you are. Yeah, and we're not going to deal. We're not going to do anything about it until it starts affecting us. Yeah, and until so it the, becomes a potential problem for us and our interests. And so, and I, Sorry. and I totally understand that. I mean, if with, with in a world without God, I have no need to have more moralistic values. I, I have no need for that. And so, I understand why it would be. How it's do you just love from somebody? an apolog- from an apologetic standpoint? And I'll make this quick so we can yeah. go on and wrap up. But from an apologetic standpoint, they're being completely inconsistent. Yeah, because these same people are like, "Why would you know? You can't love somebody you don't know. You can't do this. You can't do that." And when then, it applies okay, to let's give to charities and let's yes, do good let's give to charities. And, and when it applies to them, you help. better be moral in your dealings with them, yeah. or they're going to be upset. It's like, well, hold up. If you're going to be logically consistent, if these things don't matter, if God's not real, if there is no absolute truth when it comes to morality, who says I can't steal from you? Nope. I mean, other than there's a law, obviously laws against right. it, but like, who says it? Like, who says, who says it's morally? Who, who says it's morally wrong? Yeah. If there wasn't a law for it and there wasn't a punishment for it, and if I can get away with it and not get caught by the law, who's to say it's morally wrong? Why in the world would you feel a sense of injustice at that? Exactly. So that's what that that's where that comes into play. Inconsistent. It's just crazy how many times I've seen that played out. But here's the thing, with God, with God, it's possible to love because with God, mm-hmm. it's not that love, realistically, that love does not come from me. That love, Christ, the Spirit puts that compassion inside of me. He puts that love and that desire and, and that compulsion to just feel sorrow in my heart for people that are hurting across, overseas or feel sorrow in my heart for people that don't know Jesus or feel sorrow in my heart or to just simply love people. That's where that comes from. That's what these people weren't doing. This group that was saying, hey, bud, you got to be circumcised before you can have mm-hmm. access to Jesus. They weren't doing it in love. It wasn't there. There was no. There was no compassion. It was like, man, I really, really hate this for you. This is going to be really hard and painful. But this is something that you have to do. Well, and like that's, it wasn't. It wasn't out of love. It wasn't being led by the Spirit. He says, "Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires." Like the old me was literally dead with Jesus, mm-hmm. crucified, not to be raised again. Where I am raised with Christ is a new me, a new creation. Well, and he says, if we live by the Spirit, let us behave in accordance with the Spirit. Not become conceited, provoking one another, being jealous of one another. It's just what you were talking about earlier. That's why people don't have, they don't live in this freedom. because They're, they're jealous. They're seeking something else. They're trying to chase something else. They're like, well, man, I'm, I'm not good enough. I'm not as good as that person, but I'm better than this. But I mean, We're all jealous. We're biting. We're devouring one another because we're not being led by the Spirit. Well, And, 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 I just, and real quick, just... The two most sought after things in this world are joy and peace. That mm-hmm. is that for every person, for every nation, the, the two most sought out things you could argue is joy and peace. And yeah. we what you say and so we, we could flip the script on the same thing and so we say, Okay, so how do we love? Well we can't love without God. I have no moralistic value f- without God, so there's no point in loving. Mm-hmm. So with God, I'm able to love. With the spirit I'm able to love. We flip the script and we ask the same question with joy. So we say how how, how am I supposed to have joy yeah. in my life? How am I supposed to have joy? And the problem is, is that you're saying I in it. You can't. 
you you cannot be <laughs> yeah. the founder and the creator of your own joy. You you just can't do it. All these people want to market met. to you saying, "Oh yeah, I can if you if you work hard and if you grind it out and if you yeah. do your thing, you can create joy in your life. Or you can get money. You can get all this other stuff. You can create well." Blah, and blah, I've blah. and I've seen people go the opposite route, and I've seen some some people who seem very content. They they do genuinely seem pretty content. Who go the opposite route and they're like, "Oh, simplicity. Simplicity is where I find my peace. Simplicity Bruh. is where yeah. I find my." But I'm like. That's all well and good, but what I've found with those people is that they intensely guard that simplicity. Mm-hmm. If, their, if their simplicity gets disrupted by chaos, it all falls apart. Well, that's, what was, that's what I was going to say, that there are things outside of that control of simplicity. Mm-hmm. What happens when it, you're, I live a simplistic lifestyle and everything's you know, good and golden, and because of that, I can maintain peace. Boom, you get COVID. What happens then? Okay, yes. I'm getting COVID, and all of a sudden my my lungs are deflating, and I can't breathe good. Or you get cancer, and, and my and, or yeah, and so that what happens? Or all then? of a sudden, wherever Things wherever so you live then. in the world that you're you're in this peace, you're in this trying to maintain this tranquility, and this all of a sudden it gets thrown into chaos and war. Mm-hmm. What are you doing then? Yeah. Whereas the Christian, wow, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can have this joy. That's what largely what Philippians, his letter that Paul wrote, is about mm-hmm. when Paul is under house arrest. Mm-hmm. He has been persecuted. He has been in chains. And he says, I can be content in all circumstances mm-hmm. because I can do all things through Christ Jesus. And it just amazes me. But yeah, how do you have, pa- how do you have patience? How can you have true and honest patience? Not without the Spirit. I can be a patient person, but I'm doing it for some ulterior motive. Mm-hmm. And when all of a sudden I'm not getting what I want from being patient, patience goes out the window. Yep, every time. I'm patient with my spouse until they're not patient with me. I'm kind to my kids and my family and my coworkers until they're not kind with me. Mm-hmm. But through the Spirit, these fruits are produced in us by God's power, regardless of what happens around us. For the purpose of freedom, because we're set free. We're not bound to any law. So, you got any good way you want to wrap up? <laughs> no. Because I don't, I mean, I just don't have anything else to say about it. I'm like, you're, we're set free. I think Paul has hit this so hard through the whole letter. You are not under the law. You are set free. Be led by the Spirit of God. And you're going to experience a level of freedom you have never known. And you are going to be freed from your circumstances. You're going to be freed from a set of rules and regulations that you have to follow. And you are going to belong to Christ and be set free from sin, yourself, and the, and the enemy. Guys, make sure you guys come back and check us out for Galatians chapter 6, part 6. This will be our last chapter. We're going to finish up the book uh, it's been awesome doing this uh, this uh, little series with you guys. If you guys haven't already, hit that subscribe button, maybe that like button, so we guys can further send this video out so other people can see it uh, and view it and hopefully get a blessing out of it. We love you guys. We thank you guys for participating, for watching if you made it this far. Uh, and come back and see us next time. This is Crosswalk. <laughs>